0: We're talking Walt Disney's subscriber troubles on this Consumer Goods Edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, Fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Tuesday, December first, twenty fifteen, and joining me to talk all things consumer goods is the man whose picture is next to awesome in the dictionary, Vincent Shen. <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, how are you, Sean? How awesome. Was you, how was your holiday? I was. I so get this. I made the turkey.
1: Uh, you mentioned this on last week's show, and now you it didn't turned burn, out you did not burn your apartment down. Really well. Okay. It was
0: a little drier than I would have liked, but for a first attempt. Could not be happier. How big was it? Um, well, so it was just my wife and our son and I. So I think I only got like a, I got the breast. I didn't get the whole
1: bird and I did okay. not remove organs or that's things. That's very helpful because the yeah. bigger the bird gets, the more time it takes. Oh, the yeah. More somebody Potential does, for something to go wrong. Somebody at
0: Full Headquarters, I forget who, they're like, yeah, I cooked an 18 pound bird. I'm like, that's not a bird. That's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Vince, we've got a situation brewing on over at Disney. That we'd be remiss if we did not discuss. However, before we do that, we just had that most holy of holidays, Black Friday. (laughs) Um, We got some preliminary results, as I
1: understand it. How did things go? Yeah, so, you know, last week we talked about the run up, history behind it, what some of the expectations are, and honestly, how it's going to start up, you know, 4th of July. In ten years, <laughs> so honestly, uh, things kind of came in uh, the the way uh, a lot of people expected them to, with the emergence of uh, the importance of like the online sales. How that's becoming a bigger and bigger component during these big during this big weekend. Um, but overall, uh, sales from Thanksgiving and Black Friday actually fell 11 percent from last year. That's to 12.1 billion dollars. That's this kind is of ac- big. This is according to data from ShopperTrack. Uh, so foot traffic was generally down across the board, and it was noted, I think, by the National Retail Federation, that this was the first year that online shoppers actually outnumbered those who ventured. Out it's cold out to the masses. It's you know, surprising to, <laughs> to the lines and stores. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, taking that one step further, it's not just that online traffic, the importance is growing, but, you know, we mentioned how mobile had a really surprising yeah. turnout. Well, a lot of people, again, this year were even more surprised, despite high expectations, with 40%, with some 40% of that online shopping taking place on smartphones. And I think another like 10 to 15% happening on tablets. Yeah. So that's just i think partially from you know smartphones are bigger the screens are bigger it's easier to navigate and shop with them now so their their they're you know their prominence and in use among shoppers is growing and um, the thing is you know i think to keep in mind is that Thanksgiving Black Friday Cyber Monday you know we used to consider this stuff the beginning of the holiday shopping season it's more like halftime now <laughs> because you know a right lot of, the third quarter folks. a lot of retailers begin their deals as early as early as the very beginning of November yeah and as a result of that we've seen a decreased importance in uh, in these specific days themselves Uh you know, Black Friday, like I said, Thanksgiving right. Black Friday down. Cyber Monday, though, did see some positive results. Um, the sales were at $3 billion up from last year, uh, continuing that growth in terms of the online piece of the pie overall. And um, it's just uh, a nice, nice that we can recap on last week's show. And yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I can't believe
0: um, more people didn't think that. Uh you know, the, just the advent of online shopping might not actually, you know, be the death knell of Black Friday because the purpose of Black Friday was to get people to come out, give them some deals, make a name for yourself as a retailer for the holiday season. And, um, I mean, my wife, she um, not only went to the mall just uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving and bought me some jeans, but they had already started the pricing on the jeans for Black Friday. Not only that, but they didn't have my size in the store, so they had it
1: mailed to our house. I, Need I say more? I, well, yeah, and, and even a lot of the retailers, their online deals, which a lot of people think, oh, Cyber Monday is that day you do your online. You know, they started those at midnight YouTube. on Thanksgiving, yeah. so uh, everything's moving up. Uh, honestly, all the sh- all of that that uh, consumer spend is basically being spread out more and more between November and December overall. Um, and uh, the one last thing I wanted to note too is some of the hottest items from Cyber Monday included. 4K TVs, uh, iPads, uh, the Xbox and PlayStation 4. So again, this kind of highlights the How'd fact. you get my
0: Christmas list? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this again highlights the uh, the trend for shoppers for their must-have items for the season to be electronics, like the newest electronic stuff, um, and I don't see that going away anytime nope. soon.
0: Neither do I. Cool. Well, Before we move on to chatting about the latest from Disney, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter for all Industry focused listeners. All loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to Focus.Fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is Focus.Fool.com. So, Vince, you've got Star Wars hitting theaters in, I don't know, a week? Sooner? To, to about less than three weeks. Yeah, okay, so three weeks, sorry. Um, Captain America Civil War coming out next spring.
1: Trailer just hit The trailer. It, sure. What'd they get, like 51 million views? And hit, crazy whatever. number of views over yeah. a very short amount of time.
0: Um, you would think that Disney stock, which happens to own both these massive franchise properties, um, would be doing super well these days. But that's not the case. So, what's
1: going on? Uh, The thing is, uh, the stock is still doing pretty well for this year. Uh, year Year-to-date, it's still up over 20%. But in the past week or so, uh, it's taken a bit of a dive from about hundred $120 per share on November 20th to about $113 um, as of trading earlier today. And a lot of that hit has come from the filing of its 10K. And because in that filing, it revealed what a lot of investors have uh, been worried about, and which really dinged the uh, Disney shares in August, I think it was, when Bob Iger basically made the comment, CEO Bob Iger made the comment that, you know, we're going to be Losing some subscribers from our media and networks division, and that trend really continued. Uh, so, uh, so hey, how bad was it? Like, so this, basically, you know. Yeah. When I usually when when people think Disney, think about the movies, the parks, but its biggest business it's it is the media network segment, which made up forty four percent of revenue, fifty three percent of operating profit, and this is for fiscal. Well, so not 15. only that,
0: and you know I I highlight the movies, and they're obviously going to make boatloads of cash yes. off of Star Wars and Marvel and sure. Captain America and all that stuff, but those are one time things. The mm-hmm. consistent cash cow is ABCs. Their, their networks yes and it's this is not good so ESPN
1: so. you know is like the crown jewel of all their offerings it is able to command uh, you know just the importance of live sports to viewers it's probably one of the main things holding out it's uh, the one reason to stalling have a it's like the one thing <laughs> that's really stalling I think the cord cutting yeah uh, trend and you know ESPN is able to command uh, tons of money and but the problem is over the past two years, the subscribers just at ESPN have fallen from 99 million to uh, 92 million, and three million of that loss took place in the past year. So people kind of knew, all right, well, this trend's taking play or is taking hold. We expected losses, but this is at a much faster clip, right. Than uh, what were the they market expecting, was expecting? One million a year? Like what? What did they actually think? Would so happen? And, and the thing is, you know from down from 99 million to 92 million uh, at a faster clip than everybody was expecting. And over that same period, you know, some of the other networks, ABC Family shed 5 million subscri- subscribers. Disney and Disney XD, their domestic channels each lost 4 million. And the thing is, Disney also has a 50% stake in channels like A&E, Lifetime, History, and they're all down 5 to 6 million consumers over the past few years as well, or subscribers, excuse me. So, it's not looking good at all. Right. And um the the thing is the effect of these declines is becoming more pronounced. Uh, again, over that same two year period, media networks, their over overall revenue was up 14.3%, which is pretty good, but it lagged the overall top line, which saw growth of about 16.5%. And operating income growth is really where you see it, and this has to do with like rising costs for that segment. Operating income growth was up 14.3% for media networks, but overall it was thirty six point nine percent for the company. So a lot of the other segments are making up for that stall. Right. And here I look at it now. It's like okay, so now we're actually presented with a serious, like, long-term challenge for this company. Like, uh, a lot of times people will bring up things to ding the stock, but this is actually something that could really hurt the company if it keeps going down from ninety-nine to ninety. Uh, you to- would almost prefer to be,
0: you know, the cable provider, like a Comcast or
1: something, because at least they get you for your internet, which you mm-hmm. still need these days. Like- so the thing. <laughs> so, I I think there are some. Uh, some projects that Disney has in pipeline and options that they have will kind of that will stem the losses. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, investors really do need to ask themselves, you know, okay, I, I understand that ESPN is very valuable. Live sports in general are very valuable for these content. Providers. What's ESPN
0: been valued out on its own It's like fifty billion or something crazy? Very, yeah.
1: serious, like crazy numbers. And the thing is, as true as that is. The company has had to pay more to keep ESPN, you know, outfitted with right. with content. So, for example, rights to NFL games increased from $1.1 billion to $1.9 billion annually uh, as, of their, of the, as of the deal they signed last year. And for the NBA, for the season, the 2016 to 2017 season, again, ESPN's paying 200% more than Why? their previous contract <laughs> because, honestly, every other network... Recognize the fact that, hey, live sports, you can't replace that with a streaming right. service. We need that to bolster our numbers. So, so they're the... build it, bidding up more for it. And as a result, ESPN's paying the price too. Wow. So, but they yeah, have to. Yeah, like, exactly. That's game over. Um, you know, as a result, the company has tasked ESPN with trimming $100 million from its budget next year, an additional $250 million for 2017. And so for me, uh, I, I'm just thinking, you know, investors need to ask themselves some questions like, what is the bottom for these subscriber losses? Now, I don't think that it's just going to keep going down and down until zero. That's crazy right. because people do want live sports. It has proven itself to be a, a bit of a holdout for anybody else who's been considering cord cutting. But where is that bottom? And one, and once we have a better grasp of what that number is, how big of an impact does it have for a segment that makes up over, you know, half of operating income? And something else to keep in mind is to the high potential of upcoming projects like you mentioned with theme parks uh upcoming movies are those enough to make up for that for that hole that's left there
0: yeah and actually on that note so you got these headwinds or tailwinds for the company going around the second largest muni par- uh their second largest segment parks and resorts so what's mm-hmm. going on there okay
1: so uh this is one uh i guess area where Uh, the company overall sees a lot of potential. And the more I read about this, the more I think, like this is an amazing opportunity, but it's not without its risks. So, parks and resorts, like you mentioned, second largest segment, they make up um, about 31% of total revenue and 20% of operating income. And the thing is, the big It's expensive to run an amusement park. (laughs) The big project that's coming down the pipeline is Shanghai Disney. And so, this is a huge, huge deal. Uh, The park covers 1,000 acres. Um, Do you know what uh, Orlando is? It's also, it's very very large. Okay, uh, but there's more to that that I think is really interesting. So it's so the first Disney park in mainland China. Of course, there's one in Hong Kong, and the thing there's multiple phases to this production process. So there'll be like multiple parks, hotels, entertainment complex, shopping, everything the works. Um, and you know they broke ground on this in 2011 it's costing them about 5.5 billion dollars huge investment i think it's the biggest single foreign investment in china ever and disney will actually only own a 43% stake because there's going to be uh, the the remainder of that's owned by like three you know state owned enterprises i hope they didn't put up all the money for 43% <laughs> uh, no i think uh, the 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 state owned enterprises also put up like over 2 billion dollars okay um and the thing is you know, one of the big numbers that that I've seen thrown about is the idea that there are 330 million people who have enough disposable income to visit this park that oh live less gosh. than three hours away.
0: That's the U.S. population,
1: so huge. And you know, it's next to Shanghai, next to Shanghai, which is their wealthiest, like financial center city. Yeah. Um, tons like of opportunity here, yeah. there. And the big thing that I think kind of takes us to another step is, you know, they have reserved the land reserve that they need to expand with a few more parks for Disney itself. But this 1,000 acres that they have is only one-fifth of this huge 5,000-acre zone that Shanghai is setting aside. They're calling it uh, the International Tourism and Resorts Zone. Oh, wow. And they want this to become like a playground a huge focus for tourism for them to draw out people so disney will just be one part of that but the, i think it's a very strong bid in their in the company's favor that the country and the government is very committed to this area overall cuz they have big plans like we're talking about a decades long plan to develop this area into like a tourism attraction wow um so, you know, you have all that in mind, huge numbers, 330 million potential visitors, you know, all within a very short travel distance, uh, this is going to be the biggest park, has the tallest castle, the Magic Kingdom castle, like, everybody is looking forward to this, and I'm sure the, it'll be a, um, a big growth driver for the segment, but something else to keep in mind is that only 30% of theme parks in China either break even or are profitable, the rest lose money. So this is not just a guaranteed slam dunk. So even though there are nice projects in the pipeline like this one for the parks and resorts segment, you know nothing's guaranteed. I think that Disney uh, is really has a nice wide moat around it based on the you know the value. They've of got its some IP really good IP, names. yeah. So, but overall. It's just something that uh, people should definitely keep in mind for this one piece of the puzzle.
0: Okay, so the last business that Disney, of course, has their hand in is movie studios,
1: movie, all that. What's going on there? Will that save them? Yeah. So we've kind of gone in order. Uh, you know, we talked about how their media networks, it, it, it's still growing, but it's. People have those concerns about the subscriber losses. Second biggest segment doing very well. They have this huge park down the pipeline. Now here is where I see the most potential, but the problem is, so we're talking about studio entertainment, which includes their movies, but also the consumer products segment, which has a lot of the products that is like just say Star Wars toys.
0: Yeah, exactly, (laughs) an offshoot of
1: all that IP. Um, uh, You have to keep in mind that even these two segments together, they only make up um, they only make up about fourteen percent. Our studio entertainment made up about fourteen percent of the top line. Consumer products made up about nine percent. So, much smaller pieces of the pie, but the growth opportunities are are huge. Um, For example, consumer products segment saw the most robust operating income growth in two thousand fifteen at twenty nine percent. So, like easily dwarfing, I think it was like the six or seven percent that the media network segment saw. And you know, going to the title specifically, so you know, we we talked previously about the Force Awakens, about the toys and the hype that's build up around this. So, Showtime. Less than three weeks away, and some box office predictions are kind of coming in anywhere between 150 and 210 million dollars, which would make it one of the biggest. I think it'll beat that. I really of do. all times. You we'll saw the, the the presale ticket numbers. That yes. was the highest and of before all. Before we get to that, though, you know, f- the thing is for December. There's only been a handful of films that have even broken $70 million in the opening weekend. So it's generally not a month where you see those massive numbers right. like the summer blockbusters. But the thing is, these films have legs. Like they end up running very well over the following weeks after the holidays. Um, and bringing up those pre sale numbers shattered records. So Star Wars The Force Awakens has already sold $50 million in tickets, you know, a month in advance of. The actual release date, and this doubles the previous record of the Dark Knight Rises, which sold twenty five billion dollars. Okay, another thing that you that kind of points in the direction of this being a huge, huge um, moneymaker is the fact that Star Wars Battlefront the game came out earlier in Did you november see that commercial they had <laughs> you know it <laughs> looks and <Kendrick> and stuff <laughs> it it looks amazing and it set digital launch records for electronic arts over the past week so again another record setting like yeah. number for you to 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 to, to, to kind of think about there um and i think it, it will be very important how this movie does because there's sequels lined up there's one off uh there's kind of like spin off films that are planned but that's not the only thing that kind of Hit the news recently for their, uh, at least for their studio entertainment, because like you mentioned, the Civil War trailer for Captain America, all these views, and this is where I kind of I think things really round out for this segment. Um, between now and two, 2019, there will be about 15 Marvel titles oh my released in theaters, gosh. <laughs> including huge sequels and new character launches. Okay. So, you know, keeping in mind the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for their movies, they've generated over $9 billion, and they average about $750 million in worldwide ticket sales per movie. So the thing is, for Hollywood, with something that you generally see is very uncertain for with each movie release, um, sometimes you just get really unlucky, and your movie does not do well. This, I don't think it takes all the uncertainty away, but... Well, even uh, because. You have a built in fan base. Yeah. Well,
0: not only that, but um, Ant Man should make you a believer about these secondary character launches. Yes. Because it's like, who the heck is that? Lesser known character
1: still managed to draw over $500 million in box office receipts, which is huge. And um, overall, you know, these Marvel films, since the earlier part of of, uh, this decade, so like the early 2010s, just a few years ago, every movie has seemed to trend upward in terms of. Box office rece- box office receipts for Disney and Marvel. Um, naturally, all this popularity around these characters and these movies spins into the consumer products with toys and things along those lines. You know, for Black Friday two of the five most popular toys were Star Wars from the Star Wars universe.
0: This is not surprising. Um, all my cousins love Star
1: Wars. <laughs> exactly. Um so though they though this might be smaller pieces of the pie for the company overall, um I think their importance will definitely be growing as uh you know they make their investments in the space. They have all these titles lined up. Uh things are looking very strong for the for these segments and I think that between this, Parks and Resorts it will f- help fill in some of that that uh the losses, or you know, the gap that's left mm-hmm. by any concern that investors might have with media networks, and it'll be really interesting to see how the company pivots as it need to in the future.
0: For sure. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. Thank you. Have a good one. Before we wrap up, we are celebrating Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is an international drive to give time or money during the holiday season. The Motley Fool kicks off our annual philanthropy holiday drive today. This year, we're giving to the Fistula Foundation. Its mission is to provide surgical care to women suffering from obstetric fistula. It's a reversible medical condition that can occur during childbirth and leads to a dramatically decreased quality of life. Around a million women in developing countries deal with the condition annually. As few as 20,000 receive treatment. You can change that. Your donation will literally change a woman's life. To learn more about our holiday drive, visit give.fool.com. That is give. Dot fool dot com. If you are a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear on this program. For Vincent Shen, I am Sean Riley. Thanks for listening and fool on.